0: Here we go, kids. Here we go. You know the drill. It is Monday night. I am your friend and your host, Chris Schreier. This is, of course, the Toronto Beer and Rugby Podcast. Let's not forget that. Oh, it's getting real these days. Oh, look at this. We've got people joining in already on both sides of the equation. Hot diggity darn. Oh, even better. Hello, everyone. Hey, you know what? I'm going to get to this. We got beers to drink. We got rugby to talk about, or quidditch if you prefer. And uh, in the meantime, we've got a theme song to listen to, except for all you live people. You're like me. You just got to Pretend. Because you don't know it, but the theme just happened. Yeah, crazy, eh? Really get to see how the sausage gets made here. My YouTube cameras not quite right. That's a bit better. That is a bit better. That, of course, was Link Ray Gun, our theme song from Rob Curry and the Curry Brothers. And you know what, friends? You know what? It's I'm a bit tired today. It's a bit later than average. I just want to get into it. It's a bit later, by the way. Uh, After work, I'm working out training with uh, my son, Ben. Then I have dinner, and then all of a sudden it's almost nine. So apologies. I know I'd gotten into a real good flow over the summer being earlier. No more. Back to nines, minimum. Anyway, hey, look at this pretty little can of beer I got here. It's got this really old-timey photo on it. If you're listening to the podcast, of course, this is not the finest... uh, Uh, audio content, but it's this old timey black and white photo, a whole whack of people. And there's a big old sort of looks like a cross maybe, or it's a big old post covered in some sort of a plant. And you might be thinking to yourself, what am I looking at here? And you would be right to think that this is a can of, Hmm, here we go. Chmelova brigada. Chmelova, maybe chmelova. C H M E L O V A brigada. And what this is a beer about? This that means hop brigade. Now I was just reading the label to get the name off of it. I'm ignoring everything else. I also was advised at the at the at the Godspeed Brewery, the brewery of the speed of God, uh, that this was a beer I wanted. They told me and. Well, we're going to find out what I was told was this is a uh, the, he's the, the, the gentleman said this would be like if one of our uh, Pilsners had a baby with a West Coast IPA. And I said. Shut up and take my money, I think is what the kids say, Um yeah that's what i said that's what i said Uh, as i think i just said that those words in check means hop brigade and these are these beers where they're focusing on like playing with hops in a different way i think is the idea i don't know i got nothing but i'm gonna drink it and we're gonna see what we see It actually took me an immense amount of patience. I picked this up yesterday on my way back from a really great event, actually. It was the Fly Fishing Film Tour, uh, and they showed like eight, maybe eight or nine different shorts, all fly fishing at the Royal Cinema, which, in case you've forgotten, is like right next to uh, Bureau Rio Volo pretty good and the beer that i was drinking there was their house ipa west coast ipa no less which is made by volo oh man it was fantastic and it's in these stubby bottles i had a ball what a day i didn't win anything but i did get a pretty uh, look i got it right here i got this big reddington sticker where am i gonna put that probably on the car on the fairing Anyway, it was a good old time, and then on my way back, uh, my transit plan left me right in front of Godspeed, so obviously I had to stop in and pick some stuff up, so I picked this up, but it was a real wrench not getting into it yesterday. But I wanted to have it here. That's the idea. So here we go. Oh, Oh, shoot, kids at home. I'm sorry, I poured that off camera. Not the cleanest glass ever. I had a beer out of it with dinner. Incidentally, the Kawasemi from uh, Godspeed, that's the Indian style lager, went real nice with the uh, Thai fish curry we had for dinner. Whew, that was something. Anyway, let's talk more about this. Now, OK, I've got a slight problem at the gym. I use this body wash that I love. It's from Lush. It's called Happy. But it's got like citrus and patchouli and other stuff, and so what I'm actually smelling predominantly right now is my body wash, which is great, it's just not what's in the glass. This is going to take some doing, and any citrus notes have to be taken with a grain of citrus. So right out of the gate, it smells like lemon peels. which <laughs> Incidentally, the shampoo I used, also from Lush, has lemon in it, I don't know how reliable um, a, a resource I am right now. But yeah, uh, yeah, no, it smells like lemon peels and like lemon candy. And. Uh, hmm. I can't even I can't even do the skin smell resex. It's just making me smell more of my happy body wash. Uh, maybe apricots. There's no apricot in my body wash. I think I'm going with apricots. Ah, let's just get drinking. It's the late one already, guys. I gotta move. Mmm. No fooling. Ooh. Uh. Okay. Hmm. Hmm. This is very, very, very interesting and very good, but... It's, hmm, hang on. It's very hoppy. It's not quite sticky. There's a nicely spicy, very notable hop bitterness uh, immediately and on the finish. It does totally have the body and the malt profile of like sort of a generic-y kind of Godspeed tasting lager, which is quite nice. I almost think part of that mouthfeel, there might be there might be some protein action from that hop. It feels almost a little creamier, and I know this is probably double or triple decoctioned or whatever, but still, the mouthfeel it almost feels a little too silky. Hmm. Uh, yeah, spicy and earthy. Hmm. On the palate, much more lemon peel, lemon zest. Hmm. No, not zest, peel. The white part's in there too. It's bitter, with a nice, slightly uh, sort of citrusy, kind of acidic bite. Not sour at all. Just a bright kind of citrusy note. Hmm. And then... I can feel that apricot almost more than I can taste it. Hmm. Yeah, it's almost the very first impression of the hop for... The briefest of moments It's like fresh apricot Not dried, fresh Then big time lemon peel Earthy, spicy Very hoppy Well, and and West coasty Is what it comes down to It actually The sensation of the finish Is not too dissimilar From like a Lone Pine or a Bone Shaker If I'm honest with you It's hoppy enough that I think actually part of that earthy spiciness, it's almost a little leafy, too. And it's like a little plant materially, which is fine. It's got a lot of hops in it, I think. Sure tastes that way. I'm curious, too. I wonder. This has had some notable bittering hops in it. This isn't like a a new world IPA with late hopping. There's like a very assertive alpha bite to this. Mm. Yeah, you get these little glimmers of a touch of apricot and then it's all lemon peel. White and yellow parts. Bit of spicy earthiness at the end. Really tasty. Really, and actually (laughs) thinking about it um, less objectively more subjectively this has the hopping of a west coast IPA but because of the way that the lager is made it is a lot more crushable to use the term try not to use the word drinkable because drinking is a physical action um, and Short of it being quite thick or too carbonated, drinkability isn't really going to be affected. It goes in your mouth and you swallow it. Crushable to me means you can drink large mouthfuls of it rapidly. And whereas like with a bone shaker or a lone pine, if it's really cold and I'm really thirsty or whatever, I can. But for the most part, you're taking smaller mouthfuls because there's a lot more happening there. This has... Probably not as much hopping, if we're honest, but it appears to in the mouth. But because it's got this nice, creamy, smooth lager to it. I, like, I've got to do my little TikTok 60 second. I might have to open a second can for that. The way this is going. It is very good. It is very tasty. Now. Very lemony, earthy and spicy. Hmm. I want to go with like Simcoe could be some Simcoe in here. That lemon, what are we getting that kicking off some if it's Simcoe and Citra, that actually kind of is a little disappointing. It's delicious if that's the case. But that's like, I don't know, Simco and Citra, like you and every other IPA out there, which should be fine. I mean, the execution would be as expected from Godspeed, like top one percentile of the community. But I don't think it is that lemon Eldorado, maybe it's very lemony. But again, spicy and earthy. And I mean, Simcoe can kick a lot of citrus too. Maybe it's something else in Simcoe. I don't know. You know what? Let's read the can. I'm going to read it. I'm going to read the small print now. This can incidentally is mostly a photo. And then just on the edge here, you get that. So it says uh, Pivovar Godspeed. That's Godspeed Brewery in Czech. Chmlova Brigada. Oh, with Agnes and Kuzbek hops. I've never even heard of Angus or Cosbeck hops, so I was never going to guess them. Here, let me just read this for you in my dark light. In Chechia, picking hops isn't confined to local agriculture. It is a rite of passage. Under communism, checks in every high school and university were sorted into hop brigades, each, uh, sorry, I put a comma in there where there wasn't one. We're sorted into hop brigades each summer where they helped farmers tend and pick their immaculate crops in Zatek. Zatek? It's got an accent over it. Let's go to Zatek. Our rotating series of hoppy Czech pale loggers gives us ample opportunity to experiment with a wide variety of Czech grown hops. That's why I've never heard of these. Um, this edition of Regatta features Agnes and Kuzbek hops which evoke lemon pith I would say peel too not just the pith but fair stone fruit and tantalizing spice notes. no word about earthiness and it's earthy I'd say that's an earthy beer but uh, stone fruit yeah sure apricot like I say more on the nose Definitely smells apricotty on the nose. Very lemon-peely, but not juicy. I, I agree with that. It's not pulpy. It's not lemon juice. It's lemon peel. Pith and peel. Mmm. Tasty stuff, though. Tasty stuff. This is available right now at Godspeed Brewery on Coxwell. Just Seth of Gerard. I shouldn't have to tell you that. If you are a listener to the Toronto Beer Podcast and you are within the geographical catchment of the Toronto Beer Podcast, and you do not know where Godspeed Brewery is, you are not living, kid, let me tell you. Unless you're one of the kids watching at home. If you're one of the kids watching at home, I mean, if you go to Godspeed with your parents, that's fine. I mean, I'm sure they would let you in if you went alone. You just can't get beer, so hard luck there. You can get this at Godspeed Brewery right now, and I would encourage you to do so it... Is a banger it's very tasty i wonder if they have it on side pull at the bar side pull taps so hot right now uh eating with this kind of interesting because of that slightly um lighter body smoother crushable i don't know if we're gonna necessarily go the usual route of something spicy the classic west coast is like a nice fiery curry right okay I did just have a nice red Thai curry. We could have kicked that up. That would work. It would probably hold up nicely. I think I still want some heat. I just don't want the beer to have to do as much heavy lifting on, like, so, you know, the classic, like, Nashville hot chicken, for instance, where... Uh, the, the, the spiciness and the hoppiness got that then the astringency from the hops helps like, cut through the fattiness of the fried chicken I don't want to put that much responsibility on the beer the hoppy spicy thing we can work with oh uh, hmm yeah you know what this is a bit of a weird one we have these PC brand kettle chips right now and uh, we have a jalapeno one Sort of like the Miss Vicky's, I actually much prefer this PC brand uh, to the Miss Vicky's. Uh, the chips to me are about the same, but that jalapeno flavoring that the PC brand is using, to be honest with you, it's that it tastes more like jalapenos. So like the Miss Vicky's ones are hot and a little sort of generically peppery. These ones taste very much like eating jalapenos which is quite nice. Now, I know kettle chips are not like light snacks, but I think the beer alone could have kept up with the chip without the hop. And then the hops with the spiciness of the chips, that's going to be a fun little pairing. Yeah, that's what I want. And I have some, and so maybe I'm going to eat that later. Although, oh no, wait, that's right, that's right. There's modified milk ingredients in there. We looked it up. And uh, I try and go plant-based Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. So often on a Monday Eve, I'll have a little, a little snickery snack of uh, some chips. And I was going to say I'll probably have my uh, Flamin' Hot Doritos because they're not vegan. Uh, but then again, neither are the jalapeno chips, so it's a wash. And they're both going to keep till Friday, so who cares? We'll see. We will see. Let me have a sip and then let me get back at you for the second half of the Toronto Beer and Rugby podcast being the rugby part. Mm. Frig, that's a good beer. So hoppy. Again, not squeaky. It doesn't have that much hops in it, I think. I think the thing is with the lager, it doesn't take as much. Anyway, it's delicious. It's very tasty. Very hoppy. Never had an Agnes or a Kazbek or whatever we said it was called, Hop. Kazbek, yeah. Never even heard of him. Okay. Friends. This past weekend, there were two rugby matches in the Rugby World Cup. I had predictions for both of them. I was very... Actually, maybe not very right, but fairly right in one. And, like... Wrong, based on my prediction. I, with okay, let me just get to it. New Zealand thrashed Argentina as expected. I think the final score was forty to six. Argentina had two penalties they kicked in the first half and then didn't make another noise for the rest of the game. Meanwhile, New Zealand poured it on. Uh, played some, maybe not beautiful, but but very decent rugby were subbing players out by the half because they knew the game was done and they didn't want people to get hurt and they wanted people to be fresh for the game next weekend, which is the final. Even up to and so far as... And some people have been critical about this, but they played the last couple of minutes, five or six minutes of the game, voluntarily with 14 players. (laughs) They pulled one of their players off. Subsequently, after the game, um, Ian Foster, Fozzie as they call him, um said that actually it was a strategic choice, not so much about keeping that player fresh, but they were worried. Uh, he was, he'd been warned about a couple of, uh, penalties or something. And I, I, didn't watch that game cause I was at work and I haven't watched the replay, but, uh, Foster said that he was worried about him possibly getting a yellow card. So they just wanted to get him off the field and they didn't have any more substitutions. So in rugby, you have a roster of 23 people. Um, Actually, if you want to get really deep in the weeds, it's up to 23 people and the visiting team dictates, I think. So if the visiting team says, no, we're only playing with 18 subs. Then the home team also can only play. It's a really weird rule. It, it never, nobody ever uses it that way, but it is theoretically possible. Anywho, uh, you've got 23 players, 15 start on the field, and then you have eight substitutions. With the exception of head injury assessments and blood substitutions, which are another thing, if you just straight substitute a player, whether the player was injured or just tired and needs to come off, the player you took off can only come back on as a blood or a head injury assessment substitute. They cannot come back on, uh, regularly. And, uh, once you've done that eight times, you're out because you don't have any more players. All eight have been subbed. Uh, New Zealand had done that. They'd subbed all of their players. And, uh, And so they didn't have any more substitutions. They had this player. They were worried that he might get a yellow card. Plus, I think they did genuinely just want to keep him a bit fresher. And so they they did what you can do, which is you can just say, hey, you come on off. You're not playing anymore and you just don't have as many players and it didn't affect them at all. That's a bit of a flex, but it was also very smart gamesmanship. The one that had me all tongue-tied as I was trying to figure out a way to introduce it was I genuinely thought South Africa was going to do basically the same thing to England because England has not looked sharp this tournament. They did not look sharp coming into it. Even the game against Fiji, which people keep using as some sort of touchstone about the quality of English rugby, was actually kind of a mess. Uh, They did not play a tight game. Their saving grace was Fiji, who are a fantastic team, just don't usually go that deep in the tournament. And they looked gassed. So, anyway, I thought they were going to get thumped. They didn't. They were actually winning the game the whole way. Okay, it was tied at the beginning when it was 0-0. They were the first to score, like, a minute and 30 seconds in on a penalty kick. And they didn't give up the lead, And I think, until the 77th minute, when uh, South Africa's just amazing old school number 10 Andre Pollard stepped up and struck a penalty with just calm confident another adjective he was amazing Uh, (laughs) I need a sip of beer that said England did I mean England played to a very specific tight game plan Was it interesting to watch? No, it was very boring. Uh, You know, is that the kind of rugby game I like to, to see? Not particularly. But what they did is they prevented South Africa from playing an expansive game of rugby. You remember last week when I was talking about how New Zealand beat Ireland, not by playing beautiful rugby, but by playing a game of rugby that suited them slightly better than it suited Ireland, even if it wasn't particularly good for either of them? That's not exactly what England did, because this is actually the game England prefers to play in their history, recent history, past sort of four or five years. There's been a movement within the camp to make use of their young, enigmatic, hard word to say, uh, number 10, Marcus Smith, who plays a very open, free-flowing, fast-moving, get-the-ball-wide kind of game of rugby. Um, But historically, that has not been the game that England's played. England's tended to play a very conservative game, heavy on kicking, with a lot of power in the middle. And in addition to that, forcing their opponents to play the same game... By uh, being tight and fast on defense, holding the middle down, slowing down rucks so that their defense has time to spread back out, which makes it a lot harder to work the ball wide. It also means it's less likely you're going to find a, a line break. And so there's less open field running play and a lot more attritional, just smash it in the middle. And South Africa couldn't find an answer to it. What was interesting was England, I think, scored the first. They scored at least two penalties and then South Africa got one. There might have been three. At one point it might have been. Yeah, no, I think they did because I think they went up nine nothing. And then South Africa came back, scored a pen. England hit a drop goal. They had one more penalty. I think that's how it worked. South Africa got a try. Um, But South Africa just in the first 25 minutes of the game demonstrated they could not. They couldn't make the game get played on their terms, that England were dictating how play was going to go and it was going to be a kicking game. And with that in mind, uh, their coaching staff, Razzie Erasmus and Nibar, what's his first name? Jake Jack, something like that, uh, made some really ballsy calls, pulled out their starting 10, who's a young fella. Uh, and put in Pollard 30 minutes into the game. You never see that, unless the ten's having a bad game. The 10 wasn't having a bad game. It's just the team wasn't having a good game. So they pulled him out, put in Pollard, just on the grounds that, like, all we're going to be getting here is penalty kicks, and we need somebody who is going to hit every penalty kick, and that's what Pollard did. LeBac's a very good kicker, too, but he's been a little shaky in a couple of games, and they just needed that consistency. The other thing they did that was absolutely mind-boggling until it then paid off was they pulled out their like world-class, probably best second rower in the world, Eben Etzebeth, because he just wasn't adding anything to the game put in RG Snyman who is a machine and a terrifying unit of a number five who then subsequently scored the try that brought them to within two points of England which then allowed them to kick that pen and win by one (sighs) what a game as I said I didn't think England were going to do that I didn't think they had it in them and they nearly nicked it Um, South Africa just proved to be A little too deep and a little too strong. Mm. We haven't even started talking about the scrums. England started their two strongest scrummagers. South Africa basically have two sets of the best scrummagers in the world. And uh, England weren't quite bossing the scrum, but they certainly were the the dominant side uh, up till about the half. And then they brought in uh, what they call the bomb squad. Uh, including a fella named Ox, which is all you need to know. And from that point on, tides completely turned. I think South Africa won three scrum penalties in the last 15 minutes of the game. Just clinical stuff. And I think most importantly for South Africa, they never really looked worried. I mean, the coaching staff was screaming, but uh, the players on the field didn't look like they were getting rattled, didn't look like they were upset. They just... Weren't getting the game they wanted, but they waited and they ended up getting it. Man, it was a heck of a game. Anyway, preview now for this week, this Saturday, 9 p.m. local time in Paris. That's 3 p.m. here in Toronto. It will be New Zealand, South Africa. People have already asked me today, a couple of people on my my mail route for a prediction. I got to tell you, I don't have one. Either of these teams can do it. I think when I consider all the factors, and this has nothing to do with the way either team has been playing. This is just based on looking at the stats in front of me. I give the edge to New Zealand. And the reason, there's two reasons why I give the edge to New Zealand. Uh, On the one hand they had a pretty easy game against argentina as i say they were subbing players out they finished with 14 men voluntarily they really let their players take it easy as i say they only won by 40 to 6 if if points had mattered new zealand probably would have won that game like 80 to 6 or 80 to nothing like it would have been a bit of a different ball game as it was I think they knew going in that they didn't have to do much to win that game. Whereas South Africa had to go toe to toe in an absolute slugfest and their conditioning is amazing. They have a lot of depth, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But so does New Zealand. And so on that front, you've got to give New Zealand a bit of an edge and then psychologically, uh, Actually, there's two sides to the psychological coin. One is South Africa won this last World Cup. Winning two in a row is really hard. So hard, in fact, there's only one team that's done it, and it's New Zealand. Uh, Now, that was a long time ago. Uh, But I say long time, but long enough ago. Um, So psychologically, hard to win two in a row. That's a big, big, heavy lift. The other thing, psychologically, is that the last time... New Zealand and South Africa met in the final in the World Cup was in 1995 the very famous win when South Africa won it was their first tournament after the end of apartheid when they were allowed to participate uh, they won in Cape Town in South Africa and uh, famously Nelson Mandela brought the World Cup out onto the field wearing the the shirt of Francois Pinar. Uh, the uh, the South African captain Who is a white settler And of course Nelson Mandela uh, uh, The uh, black president at the time Who'd been imprisoned for I think it was 22 years uh, As a terrorist uh, well, Let's not get too political But let's not forget that sometimes Terrorists turn out to be okay people Sometimes Uh imprisoned for 22 years as a as a terrorist and he was adamant apparently it was predominantly him who did the work behind the scenes to get everyone on board so that not only could they participate in the world cup but they hosted it that year and they won it in their home and he said one of the biggest things he uh, mandela one of the biggest things that uh, they could do as a as a country was to come together behind the rugby team uh, and that sport would unify them. Now, there's some hopefulness to that. There was only one black guy on the team. Um, everyone else on the team at that time was white. But Mandela said, no, as a nation, black or white, we will support this team and see them through. And they did. There's, of course, the wild subplot about... New Zealand getting poisoned on the Thursday night before the match, which, Hey, look it up. It's a wild story. Uh, The joke this week is that all of New Zealand's food is being imported directly from Auckland (laughs) just to try and prevent getting poisoned again. But anyway, psychologically for um, South Africa and New Zealand, the last time they met in this was that very historic world cup final. And I think psychologically, that means I give the edge to New Zealand because they want to get that back. They know they were poisoned and they were sick. They were not, a lot of those guys weren't game fit to play, but they did it anyway. And uh, and actually kind of like the England-South Africa game, it was a kick-heavy game. It was the 90s. And uh, I don't think either team scored a try in that 95 final. I could be wrong about that, but I think that's the case. It was all kicks. And uh, I think New Zealand are going to want to, right that historical wrong (laughs) that actually sounds terrible it was such a pivotal game politically let's not call it a wrong but from New Zealand's point of view losing that World Cup was a real wrong uh, and I think they're going to want it back so I got to give the edge oh and one last piece to really push it through for uh, New Zealand their head coach Ian Foster this will be his last game as the New Zealand head coach, they know that uh, Razor's coming in, uh, Scott Robertson as their head coach. But uh, I mean, maybe Foster knows what he's gonna do, but he hasn't told anybody. He's just done. And I think they're gonna wanna give him a sending off. He has been, uh, I mean, I was gonna make a call, but I don't have the statistics to back it up. I was gonna say he's probably the most winning international men's rugby coach I think at least in the modern era and uh, so I think they're going to do it there you go, actually I've talked myself into it my prediction, New Zealand not a big win, but a a win, maybe 6 points 5 points that said, it doesn't mean anything to me, I just want to see a fantastic game and I have high hopes we're going to see that, I'm going to be watching it down at Bami Beach Club it will be on TSN, I think TSN 2 So if you have access to that or if you can situate yourself at a uh, drinking facility that has access to that, uh, 3 p.m. on Saturday. If you've never watched a game of rugby before, this is the one. (laughs) This game should not disappoint. That said, it might be a little bit like learning how to drive a car on like a Porsche. Then you have to go and drive a Ford Escort and you go, oh, this isn't very good at all. Uh, But that's a good problem to have in in terms of rugby viewership. So uh, check it out. 3 p.m. this Saturday. I will be back with my recap. And uh, that will be the the final Toronto Beer and Rugby podcast until, of course, the Six Nations kicks off in the spring. We get that every year. So if you're not used to it yet, you will be. Mm. That's it for tonight. I have kept just enough beer to do my TikTok video. Look me up on TikTok, Chris Schreier. This is Trmovla Brigada. It's the Hot Brigade beer. It is a hoppy pale lager from Godspeed Brewery, available at the brewery right now. Do yourself a favor get in there and get some of this. This stuff, if you like hoppy beers, this is bonkers. It's so good. Get in now at the brewery. Really, really tasty stuff. Mmm. My buddy Rob Curry is going to tell us what time it is. It is Link Ray gun time. I will talk to you all next week when we have crowned a new Rugby World Cup champion. Until then, you have yourself a great week. Talk to you then. Bye. (music) Bye.